Good, all right, good. Um, let's make a start. Well done for um, making it through the mess of roads and to get here. I'm sure lots of people have been caught out uh, on that. Um, we're starting a new, se- new uh, series on the heart. Um, and we'll be thinking about that uh, basically the rest of May. Um, the Bible talks about the heart a lot, uh, over a thousand times. It's one of the most used words uh, in Scripture. Uh, so it's important that we do uh, as well. But just to uh, get our brains going, uh, why don't we turn uh, tables and uh, top question there, how would you describe the heart um, and why do you think that's important? Um, how, why is it important how we think about our hearts? Try not to read too much down the rest of the, um, rest of the sheet. I'll be going for it. Just, just two minutes to get our brains working. Good, let's, let's get that together. Um, over, over the next five weeks, I want to be trying to um, explore a little bit um, how the Bible presents our hearts. Um, I'm certainly not an expert on the heart, um, uh, but I, I hope this helpful. I, I get most of my material from a book called uh, All Your Heart um, by a guy called Troxel. I'll bring that next week so you can um, see that. Uh, but it's important that we think about it, um, partly because... Um, we talk about the heart a lot, don't we? Um, and our culture talks about the heart uh, a lot. And, and it becomes quickly clear that when we talk about the, our hearts, um, we actually mean uh, quite a wide range of different things. So if you think someone might say, follow your heart, which basically means do what you desire. Or, or you speak from the bottom of your heart, uh, which means that you're kind of authentic and truthful. Or you can crush your heart, uh, which means that you're promising that your words are true. Or you can lose heart, uh, which just means you're giving up uh, on something. And uh, more frequently than not, when we, when we talk about our hearts in our culture, we, we tend to talk about talking about kind of our, our warm, fuzzy desires, our emotions. Uh, and so when we talk about our hearts spiritually, um, and God calls us to love them uh, with all our hearts, we tend to uh, immediately, in our minds, jump to kind of the warm, fuzzy uh, emotions. Um, so what are we talking about when we talk about the heart? Uh, well, I think Scripture makes clear that my heart is my inner being. Um, it's a governing centre of, of who I am. Uh, so that says our heart is our inner man. It's who we are uh, on the inside. And it's what controls us. It's what governs us. It's what directs us. And it's very important that as Christians, we begin to give and considerable thought to our hearts because where our hearts go that's where we go so as goes the heart so goes the man and as I said at the start uh, the Bible talks about the heart an awful lot talks about it over a thousand times and so when it talks about it um, we need to be interpreting, interpreting it uh, right um, and the overriding message I think in scripture uh, of what we are to do with our hearts is to give them to God's to God's desire is your heart given to him. And Proverbs 3, 23, verse 26, if you've got a Bible, you might want to look it up. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely verse. I think it's a key verse. Uh, a verse to have uh, before us over the next uh, few weeks. Now, obviously, Proverbs is written um, as a father, uh, writing to his son. Um, and so, big picture, uh, we can read Proverbs uh, as God. As speaking to us as our father. And so he says in verse 26 of chapter 23, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. My son, give me your heart 
And it doesn't say, uh, my son, give me your best behaviour, or give me your presence, or give me your time, or give me your um, yeah, presence at a prayer meeting. Uh, make, make sure you get up early in the morning. Give me your time uh, to read your devotions. No, give me your heart. So of course, all these things will follow if we give God our hearts. Uh, but what God desires from us is our hearts. It's very obvious uh, as you read the Bible that it's perfectly possible uh, to be doing lots of the right things um, and yet uh, your hearts be far from God. So a classic verse in that, 1 Samuel um, 16 verse 7, man looks at the outward appearance. Uh, but God looks at the heart. I'm speaking of uh, David and his brothers. Um, David's brothers were very impressed that David, David wasn't. Um, uh, and we see throughout scripture that there's lots of people who do the right things but actually the hearts are far uh, from God. And so King Saul, for instance, initially uh, looked great as a king of Israel. He did lots of good things at the start of his reign, um, particularly defeating God's enemies, the Philistines. Um, but as his story progresses um, through 1 Samuel, it's clear that his heart uh, is not for God, not with God, and he ends up um, far from God. Saul's religion uh, was merely formal, and, and likewise, you can go to the Pharisees in Jesus' time. Um, Jesus is constantly accusing the Pharisees of um, praising God with their mouths and looking like they're doing the right thing, and yet the heart's being far from him. I mean, he almost says that almost exactly in Mark 7 to them. Um, to, to God wants our hearts. I mean, we can understand that. Um, think of a, a, a smaller scale father-son relationship. Um, a father who's satisfied with the son's behaviour. Um, son doing the right things or saying the right things or being nice. Um, it hasn't, hasn't really gone far enough. He should want his son's hearts uh, to be in them, in those things. I mean, he shouldn't be satisfied with mere, if you like, outward obedience. Um, because of this, uh, Calvin's motto, John Calvin, um, uh, throughout a lot of his life, was, I offer you my heart uh, readily and sincerely. And so that should be our aim. So if God desires to have our hearts, then our aim should be to give him our hearts. Um, turn to uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23. Proverbs has an awful lot to say about your heart, by the way. If you want to be exploring and thinking about your heart, uh, Proverbs is a great book to start. Um, and again, this is, this, is like, this, is, this is the banner verse over this whole series. Uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That's what I've called the whole series, Keeping Your Heart. And I want to get to the place where we understand better um, our own hearts and understand what it means to keep them and what that will look like. Uh, for us uh, day by day to keep them before the Lord. Um, let's just dig into that verse uh, briefly. Um, li- literally, the verse just says, uh, so it says, keep your heart of all vigilance. Actually, translate it strictly, it's keep your heart of all keeping. Keep your heart of all keeping. It's, it's a double keeping that we're commanded to have um, here. Uh, I guess that emphasizes the kind of essential nature of as Christians, we should be keeping our hearts. I'll come on to a little bit what that means uh, in later, later weeks. Um, maybe emphasise the hardness of it. You need, you need double guard over it. Um, to keep, by the way, kind of means uh, to, to guard or watch over or to pay careful attention to. Yes, I put it down there. So think of a, a garden and a garden. And that's hopefully a metaphor I think we'll explore more. But a garden and a garden. Uh, he keeps his garden. He, he pays carefully. He wants a beautiful garden, doesn't he? 
So he pays careful attention to it. Uh, he's constantly uh, looking after it, pulling up weeds, planting flowers, uh, keeping animals and children off of it. Um, it's a daily work. Uh, it's a hard work. Uh, but he does it because he wants a garden that he's pleased with and that he thinks is beautiful. Uh, and we're to keep our hearts in a similar way uh, before God. Um, I find it's quite, quite helpful. Um, so one Puritan writes, like uh, John Flavel. Flavel? What is that? Flavel. Flavel. <laughs> Maybe. Um, the greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart of God, uh, to get people to come to the Lord Jesus, to win the heart of God. And the greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart uh, with God. And he goes on to say that the one great business of our lives uh, is to keep our hearts uh, with God. Uh, for from them flow the springs of life. From them flow the springs of life. Uh, what decides what your life will look like from this day forth depends on where your heart is and what your heart is like. Whether you do good or do evil, uh, that springs from your heart. Or whether you feel like foul water or clean water flows out. Um, that's all to do with what your heart is like and whether you're keeping it or not. Jesus says, uh, an example of this, uh, Matthew 12, 34 to 35, says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, the words come out of your mouth come, come from your heart. The good person out of his good treasure in his heart brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil tre- treasure in his heart brings forth evil. Um, and ultimately, the, the springs of our life, the clean water of our life, the goodness of our life will depend on whether we're keeping our heart uh, with God, of our hearts given over to God. Um, there's, there's, a, there's an amazing verse, I think, in Psalm 37, verse 4. Let's look it up. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the, the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's not, um, it's not prosperity gospel, kind of follow God and he'll give you whatever you want, health, wealth, and money, and so on. And rather, that when our hearts are wholly given over to the Lord, we actually find our desires satisfied. Um, our desires are set right, and God gives us uh, the answer to them because our hearts are in him. And actually, he's meant to be the centre of our desires. And again, much more to say on that in future weeks. Um, but that's all, just all kind of parenthesis. Uh, so we need to be those who think about our hearts, and that's what we're going to be doing. Um, God, God calls us to give him his heart, our hearts, and, and the way we're to give him our hearts in Proverbs 4 is, is to keep them uh, with all keeping. Um, but uh, when it comes to giving God our hearts and to keeping our hearts before God, um, I don't know about you, but I think we find that our hearts are, are very complicated matters, are very complicated things. Uh, it's not an easy business. We often don't understand ourselves at all. We don't understand why we feel uh, the way we do about a particular thing. Um, our decisions, our actions, our lives. I could often leave us bewildered. We often, if you think of Paul in um, uh, Romans 7, he often says, he says that the things I don't want to do, I, I end up doing that. And the things that I do want to do, I, I don't do. Um, we don't understand where our different emotions sometimes spring from. We get angry, um, apparently for no reason. I'm not sure why. Or, or it comes to spiritual matters, and we just find ourselves lethargic, even though we do want to grow in faith and mature. Um, our hearts are complicated. And the Bible recognises this. So Proverbs 20, verse 5, another proverb. The purpose of a man's heart is deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Um, 
just saying that our hearts are deep. It's admitting that our hearts are, are difficult uh, to understand. And I suggest, possibly uh, as, as Christians, our, our main problem isn't that our hearts are, are too deep, but rather that we often remain in the shallows of them. And we don't do much diving uh, below the surface. We don't thoughtfully consider uh, the way we are. And so, so that, that's often the root of all kinds of problems that uh, spring up in our life. Um, kind of our lack of attentiveness um, to how we think and how we feel. Um, we, we tend to be quite reactive people, don't we? We, res- we, we do something and then we, we respond to it a little bit, rather than proactive, and staying, standing down and, and thinking about what we're like. Um, and the goal, I hope for the goal over the next four or five weeks, is to become uh, a man or woman of understanding that can draw out the purpose of our hearts and understand them better. Um, and that's what we're going to do for the rest of the session. I just have a, have a, have a, have a kind of brief overview uh, of, of trying to understand our hearts a little bit more deeply. Um, the three, we've got three helpful, I think, categories down here. Um, if you look at, look at the kind of bold headings going down, we've got the mind, our desires, our, our will. Um, three, three ways to categorise the heart to help us understand it uh, better. I, I doubt the categories that any kind of sound theologian uh, would dispute. So our mind, desires, and our will. And for the rest of the session, I just want to dig a little bit into just kind of what they are. How, how are we thinking about those things um, before we explore a little more deeply into, into, into how they are in us. Um, how they appear in us. It's worth saying as well, they're not, so you've got three categories here, they're not kind of thirds of your heart, you divide your heart into these three areas, and they're all interwoven together, um, so your heart is one unified whole. And to, to kind of pull out your heart a little bit, it's helpful to begin thinking in these ways, um, but they all work together. And so it's very hard to separate your, your will and your desires and your thoughts, and sometimes they're meshed like a tapestry. Um, so very, just a briefing on me on the mind, and then we'll go back into groups of five minutes. Um, our mind, uh, what we know. Um, I wonder if it surprises you, actually, that we're starting there, um, with the mind when we're talking about the heart. Um, but I think, particularly in the Bible, what becomes very clear is our hearts think. And we don't be too simplistic about that. Our, our hearts do more than think when it comes to our intellectual resources. So our hearts reason, and they meditate. And they understand, they remember. It's all words that scripture attributes to what your heart does. You can store things up in your heart. And they're all very intellectual. Um, I think even in Christian circles, we often disassociate our, our minds from our hearts. Um, but in scripture, and then embedded together. So what we ascribe to our minds, in the Bible it's often just described, ascribed to the heart, to the inner you. Um, to, I think it's particularly during the Old Testament, but the Bible ascribes our kind of intellectual, intellectual rational functions uh, to the heart. Um, I, I, there's hundreds of verses you can give on this. I'll give you three. Um, Proverbs 15, 14. Um, I'm memorising them. Let, let, let me look them up. The heart uh, understands. The heart of him who has understanding, i.e. The, the, the one who, whose heart understands, seeks knowledge. Mark 7, um, where Jesus is saying, um, basically sin comes from within, from the heart. The first thing he says comes from within. Um, from your heart is uh, evil thoughts. The heart can have evil thoughts. 
And interestingly, in the parable of the sower, Mark 13 and parallel accounts as well in the other Gospels, um, Jesus is talking about why people will fail to understand the parable. And he says that they'll fail to understand the, uh, because the hearts were dull. So we'll reverse that. Because the hearts are dull and they lack understanding. They, they can't hear the Lord Jesus uh, properly. Um, I really like this quote. Augustine says, uh, Thoughts sprang up in my mind, even out of my heart. Stuff comes into my head. Um, and it comes uh, from my heart. Uh, so we want to be thinking that our minds aren't in this kind of sterile, separate environment from our hearts, but actually are enmeshed and, and like part of our hearts. So, just for um, a few minutes, uh, discuss those two questions down there, Tommy. Yeah, discuss uh, three or four minutes, discuss those two questions. How does our culture consider the mind? Um, particularly think about kind of what happened in the Enlightenment, for instance, what was going on there. How does our culture consider the mind? And then consider this quote having love for God in your heart is more important than having knowledge of God in your head. Do you agree or disagree? Okay, let, let's just let's go together. Um, let me offer a brief, uh, brief couple of thoughts on that. Um, how do you think our culture considers the mind? Um, all sorts of things you can say, isn't there? Um, kind of big picture. I, I suspect, particularly uh, um, when you think about enlightenment, um, where the mind is kind of enthroned. Um, we often treat the mind um, as maybe objective or, or neutral, as if it kind of works in a sterilised environment um, and arrives at truth and understanding with, with complete objectivity. Um, kind of irrespective of how I feel about something or how I, what do I want from something, um, what do I desire. Uh, it's just that's unhelpful, and we'll think about that in a second. Um, and then having love for God in your heart is more important than having knowledge of God... It, sorry, in your... Having love for God in your heart. I've got it wrong down my sheet. Having love for God in your heart is more important than having knowledge of God in your head. Um, you can kind of see what I'm trying to say. It's not much good being intellectually involved in Christian faith, but actually having no uh, desire. Uh, but I wonder if it kind of promotes um, the heart at expense of knowledge and kind of separates your heart and your mind out and to be two totally different things, um, which I think is, is a grave error to make as we've seen, because the mind is part of the heart. So how we think um, really matters to God. How we think about him uh, really matters to him. Um, because it's all part of how we give our hearts to him. And so just, you know, as we, as we go forward, begin to examine our thought life. What do you think? Uh, why do you think it? Um, it's going to be really significant when it comes to keeping our hearts. And moving on, our desires, uh, what we love. Um, in many ways, this is often central to our hearts, isn't it? And this is often where our minds jump to first when we think about our hearts, to our desires. Um, and even if you think about Scripture, when, when the greatest commandment was the greatest commandment, was to love the Lord God of all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's, that's, a, that's a desiring word, isn't it? To love. Um, to, and we're made to desire. Um, but it comes to giving our hearts uh, to God. The question is, what are we desiring? Um, the, the word desire, um, think of like the word covered in scripture. Uh, it, you know, that, I think in scripture that, that often is, can be used either negatively or positively. So we just tend to think it's negative. So Ten Commandments, do not covet, um, do, not, do not desire wrongly. Um, that, that's a negative way of using it. But equally, the same word can be used, I think, in Psalm 19, um, where, God, where David speaks about desiring God's word. And that's a, that's a positive thing. 
Um, to say our desires, if you like, can be good or evil. We're made to desire. We're made to have strong desires as well. Don't think that kind of Christianity is a, is, a, is, a, is a religion where your, your desires should be stamped down upon. We're made to have powerful desires. The Psalms are full of strong desires, aren't they? Um, and actually, when we look around culture, we can see the power of desire, can't you? Um, when the successful, what was the news story this last week? The successful politician um, gets caught watching porn in the House of Commons. That's a result of strong desire against all reason and logic. Um, and uh, what you love uh, is central to your heart. So just turn to Matthew 6, 21. Jesus talked about laying up treasures in heaven. And he says in verse 21, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I, where, where your treasure is, I, where the thing is that you love the most, that's where your heart will be, that's, that, that's where your thoughts will be directed, that's where your desires will be directed, that's where your, uh, it's come to, your, your will will be directed. If you find what people love, and then you discovered what, what receives their finest attention and the greatest devotion, that's, that's their treasure. And I think love is, is probably a supreme desire in our hearts. Um, and when we think about all the different desires, often they're, they're, they're ways of pulling apart what we love in lots of ways. Um, I, and when it comes to the Christian, again, something we'll be exploring um, over the next two weeks, um, we're a battleground of desires. And that's very, very clear in the New Testament. So Galatians 5. Uh, Galatians 5. Uh, 16, 17 is just, just a picture of, of the Christian life being a battle of desires. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the Spirit are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other, keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Um, our hearts are a background desires. Some of them are good, uh, God-given desires, um, desires given to us by the spirit. Some of them uh, come out of our flesh, um, and, and we're a battleground of them. Um, some desires are all meant to fan to flame. Some desires are meant to crush. Some are good and honourable. Some are evil. Obviously, and that's a massive countercultural thing, cultural thing, isn't it? Um, follow your heart. Whatever your, des- your heart desires, go after it. To say that actually there's just desires in there that aren't good and aren't honourable, that, that goes against the grain of the culture um, we live in, that there's stuff you really shouldn't love, but you do. Um, that's massively countercultural. So just uh, back in groups, uh, for four or five minutes. Um, when is desire sinful? Um, so if I said desire was made by God, when does it, it become sinful? Um, then how are desires and emotions connected? Often, we often speak about emotions as if they're desires, but how are they connected? Can you think of examples? And then how do you think your mind relates to your heart or to your desires? Go for it. Good, let, let's draw it together. I need to wrap up pretty soon. So, uh, very briefly, let's draw it together. Let's draw it together. Very briefly, when our desires go wrong, um, very, very broadly, I think they go wrong in two ways. Um, wrong intensity. So, we desire something too much, and um, that's often what adultery is, or desire something too little, 
Um, but what else could go wrong with direct towards the wrong object? So if you desire the wrong, the wrong woman, if you're married, desiring another man's wife. Um, how are desires and our feelings and emotions connected? Um, we just get emotional about what we love. We get emotional about our treasure. And so we, we have joy, anger, fear, longing, sorrow over what our hearts love. And our feelings betray what our desires are. Uh, think of Jesus' anger in the temple. Um, shows his love for God. Or Jesus' compassion over his people. Uh, shows, shows his love for them. Um, your, your feelings betray uh, your desires. Again, that's quite a useful tool to begin to dig into what your desires are. Then how do your desires and mind work together? Um, our thought life is shaped by the state of our hearts. And um, you, can, you can discover what's in your heart by examining what's in your mind sometimes. So you reason, your reason can serve to get what you want, for instance. Um, you meditate or obsess over what you love. Um, the, the thing you treasure can give real focus uh, to your mind um, when it's before you. All, the, all those things begin to show you uh, the loves that you have in your heart. And often the health of our mind uh, depends on the health of our heart. So Jeremiah 17 verse 9, um, the, the sick heart has a deceitful mind. Uh, and we'll, we'll come back to some of those things in future sessions. I'm moving on very briefly to our, our will. Um, our, our will simply is uh, resisting or submitting to what we know and desire. So John Owen says it's, it's approving, refusing, or avoiding. Um, so you can say no to a sinful desire. That's an action of your will. If you ignore wise advice, uh, again, that's an action of your will. If you avoid responsibility, you know you should be taking up an action of your will. Um, and those choices are choices of your heart. Um, so when I'm, when I'm making a choice, I'm not refusing or obeying my heart as if my heart was different uh, to my will. Um, rather, my will is, is what my heart decides to do. Um, so when I deny a desire, I'm not denying my heart. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a choice of my heart. Um, and we're constantly exercising our will, aren't we? Um, minute after minute, uh, day after day, every moment's uh, filled with exercising our will. Um, and my will is very much bound up with my desires and my thoughts. And so it's very much shaped by them. So what I choose very much depends on what I love and what I know. Uh, but equally, you can flip around and, and your will can shape your heart. Um, your heart's will expresses, expresses itself if you like, in, in consciously entertaining thoughts, um, in deliberately inflaming desires, um, in uh, actively pursuing a direction of life. There's all things that your will decides to do. And that's, that shapes what you then go on to desire and know. So just for, for one minute, one or two minutes, maybe pick one or two of the examples there. Um, these are all, I think, ways you can describe your will, what you choose. Um, what do you think it means to have a proud will or a stubborn will or a weak will or a strong will or a submissive will? And can you think of examples of what that would look like? Uh, go for it, just for a couple of minutes and then we'll wrap up. Good, let's... Um, you need, Let's wrap up there so we can turn church around. Um, just, just to finish, um, when, when God commands us to do something with all our hearts, which he frequently does, it's not just the greatest commandment, but actually throughout scripture, um, in, in the Old Testament in particular, we serve him with all our hearts, we repent of all our hearts, we, we walk in faithfulness of all our hearts. We need to be understanding that it involves um, not just kind of my fuzzy emotions, uh, but actually my, my desires, my thinking, and my will. Uh, and in the next couple of weeks, we'll be thinking next week about kind of how, how, how our hearts are fallen and how that affects those three areas. And the week after that, how Christ redeems them.
and it's changing them. Um, and then, then we move on to keeping your heart, kind of active when we're doing day by day. Um, good, so let me pray. Shall we pray? Um, Father, you uh, call us to give us uh, your hearts, and I pray that you'd be uh, making us uh, men and women of uh, understanding, and so we know our hearts better and better, and are better therefore to give them to you and walk in your ways. Pray now that you'd uh, bless us um, going forwards uh, to our service, that as we come to worship you, that you'd uh, feed us and give us what we need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.